0: We're going to have Julie Hollett speaking to us this morning, and she's going to be uh, speaking from First Thessalonians. Yeah, I lost my tongue this morning. First Thessalonians, chapter five. And so, if you open your Bibles up, please, I'm going to do some selective readings. There, we're reading from verses four to eight and verses sixteen through twenty-four. So that's First Thessalonians, chapter five, verses four to eight and sixteen to twenty-four. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. For you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night. So be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Stay alert and be clear headed. Night is the time for people to sleep and drinkers to get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear headed, protected by the armor of faith and love and wearing as our helmet the confidence for our salvation. Verse 16. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong in Christ Jesus. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies. But test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen, for he who calls you is faithful.
1: Good morning, everyone. It's it's great to be with you again um, speaking. Just to say, I'll be presenting uh, the teaching this morning. Uh, Wayne may join in. (laughs) Uh, We've talked a lot about the material that... um, yeah, well, that we've been presenting in the last few weeks, but particularly the last two weeks. And so, just want you to know that that this comes from both of us. Um, but I'm doing the teaching this morning. Also, just want to say that I just feel like in worship this morning, we caught a glimpse of of what is going to be our normal. It's going to be our normal, right? <laughs> And, and it will be extended. And as we worship, we're going to see mighty things happen. Because you see, when the enemy raises up a standard of darkness, the Lord raises up another standard. And so we are, we're the ones who are going to be executing that standard, right? As we worship, we trample, we trample down. The deeds of darkness. We're expressing the authority that we have in Christ. We're expressing the faith that we have. This confident hope, this assurance of things not seen. This is the people God is raising up. This is the, this is the bride. He's coming back. You see, pure and spotless, clean and shining. And that stuff, you know, that stuff that clings, that stuff that takes you down so easily. Those voices, the lies, the doubts, that stuff is going. Yeah, that should be a big shout right there. <laughs> that stuff is going. It says in Revelation 12 that the ones who overcome that will be overcomers. We will overcome by The testimony of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, and we will not shrink back. We'll not be those shrinking back. You know, when there's stuff clinging to you and you know things aren't right and you know there's this and that and, you know, you feel like your garments are soiled or you feel inadequate or you feel like I don't this enough and I don't that enough, you can't go to battle. But God is raising up a warring bride that can go to battle. So we are part of that process. And as Blair just read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says here, May the God of peace sanctify you through and through. I'm speaking this as a word of his power. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless, At the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. And if there's a yes in your heart, he will do it. And even if there isn't a yes in your heart yet, he will do it. Because he's going to bring us to that point. If you belong to Jesus, if you truly belong to Jesus, he will do it. You see, because there's nothing impossible with him nothing he's going to do this so last Sunday we read the whole chapter 1st Thessalonians 5 and uh, I'll just skip through these really quickly Hannah thanks Um, and we focused on 1st Thessalonians 5 verse 6 really that that thing of so don't be like others who are asleep And can I just say, this applies, I think that the context here is Paul is talking about those who don't know Christ are asleep. But I think there are plenty of Christians who are also asleep in a different way. It's just not sleep unto death right now, if you you understand what I'm saying. Because we belong to the day. Put on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. 1 Peter 4, 7 He he says similar things. The end and culmination of all things is near. Therefore, be sound-minded and self-controlled for the purpose of prayer. Do you get the feeling? We're going to learn a lot about prayer in the days and months and years ahead. Just because we have a prayer room doesn't mean we know everything. It means by the grace of God... He's allowed us to keep coming in and out. And he's teaching us about prayer, but it is going somewhere we have not been. Jesus, Matthew 26, 41, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We haven't learned this yet, but we will. And so I called my my talk last week, Left of Bang." And uh, you can, that, if you, if you were here or you listened to it, um, Left of Bang is a book, and it's written by these two guys who, who were, you know, ex-Marines, and um, it's a civilian version of, of, of the combat hunter program for the U.S. Marines. And it's all about being prepared, not being caught off guard, not being caught unprepared or asleep by an event. To be left of bang, as the diagram says, Right is to be aware, responsive, and in control, anticipating if you 're caught right of bang, you missed all the warning signs, and now you 're caught reacting, possibly in a combat situation you 'll lose your life. Just quickly run you through the different colors um, and I you know you could see yourself in this this combat training, so they refer to the white person as the person who is asleep and unaware. And I talked about the person who's walking around on their phone crossing roads and completely like unaware that there's a bang coming. The yellow person, the person who is in this yellow state is awake and alert. They are aware of what's going on around them and they're looking, they're looking, they're looking for threat. The person in the, in the orange, the orange person, well, they're making a plan. They've identified the threat and now they're making a plan. It's like, well, that's a low point in my wall or that situation there could blow up and they're making a plan to deal with it. The red person is taking action. They've assessed the whole situation. They've assessed what they need to do and now they've moved into action mode and they're not so much alert you know, in the yellow condition, but physiologically alert and ready to act. And the black person, the person who finds himself here, they're, they're shut down. Um, and that's a, that's a real condition where the heart rate, you know, they, they look for this when it goes above 175, they're, the body... Begins to shut down and cannot function anymore. That's the black person in shutdown. Maybe having a panic attack. Maybe being overwhelmed by fear or the enormity of the situation. And I simply ask the question, have you identified or can you identify any warning signs? And there were several categories, right? We talked about your own life. And of course the desirable place to be is the yellow. The yellow person who is awake and alert, and I think this is a biblical, biblical concept through and through to be awake and alert, and the apostles constantly make reference to this and Paul talks about you know we 're not in a battle against flesh and blood, we 're in a battle against principalities and powers, rulers, dark rulers and and spiritual forces of darkness, and the weaponry that you need is not the weaponry of the world you don't, you don't don't need to pick up a gun you need to be girded up you need to be girded up in truth and he goes through the whole armor of God and the breastplate of you know etc you know that one but you know the end of it is the end of it is about prayer isn't it the end of it is about praying at all times continuously praying So live a disciplined life to stay the course. That's the message of the apostles. Live a disciplined life. You be in control of what happens in your life. You be in control of where your time goes. You be in control, right? You be alert. Watch for things that are robbing you. The little foxes, you know, nipping at those vines as they come into fruit. Yeah. And in Song of Songs, she cries out and she says, help me catch the foxes. It's like she's saying, Jesus, help me catch those foxes. We need to start crying out. Help us. Help me, Lord. Help us catch those foxes. They appear and then they're gone. And I, I, I don't, I need your help, Jesus. You see, staying alert involves constant surveillance of our lives. And I want to say that starts with, here's one of the disciplines Here's one of the disciplines, daily confession of sin. Because when you get into a pattern of daily confessing your sin, you become more acutely conscious of when you sin. Maybe that's because you know you're going to have to confess it at the end of the day or whatever. Ask someone for forgiveness. It's a great deterrent. But we need to be able to daily confess our sins. That is biblical. Biblical. 1 John 1 7. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. It's not talking about having to become a Christian over and over and over and asking, you know, like for that forgiveness of our sins in that eternal salvific sense. It is talking about the person who's alert and understands that my sin daily matters. I go off the boil if I don't deal with it, right? It builds up layer by layer. That's why we wash our dishes, right? We don't eat off the dirty dishes. Yuck, you say. But we're often eating off dirty dishes in our lives. We don't think anything of it. We have to make war on our sin. Amen? Who have you prepared to suit up and go to war? You know, Jesus is described in Isaiah 59 as the warring king who's coming to judge. And you know what? He puts, on his, he puts on his armor. It's a great description there, Isaiah 59. You can read it. But staying alert involves getting rid of and putting on. Getting rid of, taking off, and putting on. Just, I'll give you just a few ideas. There's many things removing anything that hinders you from establishing a life deep in God's word and rich in prayer, i.e. intimacy with Jesus through the word and through speaking to him. That's how we get to know him. And speaking to him for those of us who are in his family has to become second nature default. It's where I go. It's what I'm muttering. I'm thinking, I'm talking to him in the car when I drive, wherever I go. You know what? It will put some restrainers in your life. Getting rid of or avoiding compromising situations. And that can be anything from sexual sexual purity, sexual immorality, dabbling around in pornography, Smutty jokes and chatting together, whatever that is, but it goes all the way to engaging in unwholesome talk. Hovering around where the juicy conversations are happening instead of cutting that off and moving off. And saying, I don't want to be there. I don't want to be part of that. I will not compromise. Jesus, help me. Help me. And help me not to be the person who starts those kind of conversations. Ridding ourselves of spiritual complacency and laziness, just laziness, right? Let's not call it, I need the sleep. Let's just call it, I'm undisciplined. That will probably help us. Put off rage, anger, malice, unforgiveness, rebellion, pride, self-idolatry. The list goes on and on. But let's talk about putting on because that's putting on. That's cultivating spiritual disciplines. And New Life, I feel intense this morning and it's probably coming across because this is more than just like an exposition of, you know, ex. Scripture, an exhortation from Scripture, you know, because it was my turn to speak. No, Wayne and I have a sense of urgency about this for us, not just you for the body of Christ, but hey, you are the ones that God has put under our leadership. We are the over shepherds, if you like, the under shepherds over you, under Jesus. And and so we carry the burden for you and we don't want you to be caught left of bang. We don't want you to be caught unawares. And the Lord is speaking to us to bring this word to New Life Church. Get ready. Do not delay. This is urgent. This is urgent. Trials are coming. Did you hear me? Trials are coming. And Jesus said, if your house is not built on the solid foundation, it is potentially going to whoosh. If the root system is not deep, you know those trees that get uprooted and their roots are sticking up in the air after a wind, a strong wind? That's what it looks like. Let us put on, First Thessalonians 5.8, since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Faith, love and hope. I think they're mentioned somewhere else right 1 Corinthians 13 yeah and the greatest of these is love let's look at faith well Hebrews 11 1 says it's confidence in what we hope for and assurance in what we do not see that's <laughs> that in itself is a challenge Are you walking in faith? Do you have confidence in what you cannot see? Do you keep going when it's not something emotional for you? If you can't feel the emotions, is there a confidence to keep going? Because you understand it's been rooted into you. The word's been richly planted or are you flip flopping around depending on your circumstances. These are warning signals. These are warning signals. Habakkuk 2.4, the righteous will live by faith. Or some translations say the righteous will live by their faithfulness. God gave Habakkuk a single command. I spoke on Habakkuk a couple of years ago, I think. Did some teachings from here. One command he gave Habakkuk. If you want to live, you must have more confidence in me. That's faith than what you see with your own eyes and understand with your own mind. If you are depending on what your eyes see, what your mind can understand, I tell you, that is a hindrance, that is a blockage to faith. Faith comes by hearing. You get this word out, you speak it out loud, and you take it in. You say, I agree with that, Lord, by faith. By faith. Because this is your word. This is your word. You might start experiencing some things unblocking. Love. Love is a verb. 1 Corinthians 13. Great chapter on love. If you want to know what love is, if you're not sure, go read that and repent. (laughs) Okay? God is love. The one who loves God obeys him. Anyone who loves their brother or sister, it says in, in 1 John, lives in the light. Love covers people's shortcomings. It it covers a multitude of sins. Love drives out fear. In fact, the one who fears is not made perfect in love. Those two don't go together. You can't be afraid, 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 and then say, oh, I know the love of God. You see, love is makes a person secure. The biblical one another commands are the expression of God's love. Worked out in our lives. All the biblical one another. Who's got a list of those? We talk about these heaps. All you house church leaders should have your hands up because it was in the back of your handout. (laughs) The biblical one another commands. What if you sat down around the table as a family and said, How well are we doing? How well are we doing? What about the, the hope of salvation? As I said already, in Isaiah 59, Jesus puts on the helmet of salvation, the confident hope. He was the bringer of salvation. He's got that helmet. Even he's got that helmet on. And he rides out to execute judgment at the end of the age on his enemies. Even he has The spiritual armor on. Peter describes biblical hope. As something that's so secure. That we should be able to give a reason. For our confidence. Can you give a reason for your confidence? Do you have a confident hope? In eternal life. Salvation through Jesus Christ. Our helmet of salvation. Is the Christian's confident hope. Of salvation. If you've got your helmet on. Your hope is in the saving work of Jesus and you know you're saved. What a helmet that is. You see, because that wards off all the lies, right? Where do the lies come? At the head area. It defends our authority, our place of power. We know who we are. I've got the helmet of salvation. The hope of my salvation sitting firmly in place. 1 Thessalonians 516 16-18 Rejoice always Pray continually Give thanks in all circumstances For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus So rejoice always and give thanks You know you what, know, this right here this, These three little instructions If we just did these What a discipline that would be What an amazing difference it would make in our lives, in the way we speak and think and interact with others, in our families, in our homes, right? Rejoice. Pray continually. Give thanks in every situation. So often our default, when something happens and it's a little bit left to feel, it's like, I didn't expect that, what's our first response? Grumbling. That's not fair. No, that's definitely not right. God is giving you an opportunity to give thanks. Right? Enemy can't contend with that. He can certainly ride in on your default, which is if it's to grumble, complain, to backbite, right? Judge, condemn, whatever. Criticize. Rejoice always. We have to cultivate the discipline of a right attitude. Can you say that? cultivate the discipline of a right attitude it's not an emotional thing it is a discipline and the the holy spirit it's one of the fruit of the spirit isn't it self control self discipline there's a lot of discipline going on here that's why that's why paul uses imagery you know he uses soldier imagery a few times it's like yeah this is not sloppy living people <laughs> You're called, you're called up to fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. Who for the joy set before him, what did he do? Endured the cross. Come on. Did you think it was anything less than that? This feels like one of those messages, you know, do you want to leave as well? You know, like when Jesus did that one and all of his disciples left, that's too hard. You know, we have to count the cost. He said that. You're going to have to count the cost. Following Jesus is going to have its tough moments. We have to fight, get our minds and attitudes right and in line with scripture. Our emotions are very strong. I would say way too strong. (laughs) And how are those emotions expressed James 3 Through the tongue We're very opinionated We're very judgmental aren't we At the core We're actually quite rebellious Do you know what I'm saying Like we read all these things in scripture And we do the opposite That's called rebellion Following Jesus, having a right attitude in the worst of circumstances glorifies God. And I want to put the reference there as Matthew 5, 3 to 10, Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> because actually that's what the Sermon on the Mount, that's what comes through in the Sermon on the Mount. Over and over, blessed, blessed are those who, blessed are those, blessed, are, blessed are the, blessed are the most, blessed, right? Uh-huh. And then Jesus goes on and addresses. It's like he's very, you know, he goes right to the heart and says, just because something looks like this on the outside doesn't mean it's like that on the heart. And he just brings it all up. Pray continually. Okay. The Lord is emphasizing prayer. The Lord is emphasizing to Wayne and I, you want to say, yeah, you're always talking about prayer. No, no. This is going a step further. This is going to take it right to the home, right to the home front. The end and culmination of things is near. Be sound-minded, self-controlled for the purpose of prayer. Okay, who agrees that prayer is powerful? Who lives like it's powerful? Okay, that's right. I didn't take any blank. We say prayer is powerful. Okay. Now I'm serious. We say we give verbal assent to it. Let me just ask you: How many hours a week you spend praying? Don't put hands up or say anything. Okay. Versus how many hours maybe you spend watching TV, on the social media. Um, I'm just talking about you know just hobby things, Um, gardening. I don't know. What's the thing you like to spend time going to the gym? I don't know, compare it, compare it. And let me ask you again, no hands up. Do you agree that prayer is powerful? Listen, we we need to be honest people because sometimes, you know, especially when you, perhaps belong to a church where there's there's a fair amount of prayer going on, you can think, oh, I'm part of that, and actually not be praying? It's true. Cultivating lives of prayer is like galvanizing a piece of iron. Now, I I understand that when you galvanize a piece of iron, you know, you coat it with a substance, i.e. zinc, that makes it completely impervious to rust and... I don't know, weather and all sorts of stuff for a long time, like all this outdoor stuff is galvanized. Well, you know what? Prayer has a galvanizing effect in our lives. Prayer is growing a relationship with Jesus and through that relationship, accessing the very power of God because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you and me. Right? Right? Can you imagine, look at it like this. Prayer is me becoming close to the one whose spirit lives in me. And as I speak with him and I stand in his presence before his throne of grace and mercy. And I intercede and our prayers begin to swirl and go, you know, know, mixing and mingling. And his heart becomes my heart. And then I begin to pray the things that are on his heart. He's going, come on, Julie. Now you're starting to release the power in this relationship. You can access it through me. The same power that raised him from the dead lives in me. Oh, that that would be manifest. Oh, that that would be manifest. Paul said this, yes. Philippians 1, and 21. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened in me will turn out for my deliverance so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Where was he when he said that? In prison, in prison, in chains for the gospel. He also said this, and we pray this. It's a beautiful prayer. Praise God for this prayer. Paul, I pray that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best. Oh, that's interesting. Yes. Abounding love instructs our minds with discernment. Wow. Never would have thought. And you may be pure and blameless, that is sincere and without offense for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is his prayer. He prays it, not, not just for the church in, in Philippi. He prays it elsewhere. This is a constant. Th- th- these apostolic prayers, they're so powerful. That's why we pray them. It teaches us to pray. It teaches us how to pray, to pray with expectation, to pray with authority, to pray what Jesus wants us to pray. The testimony of the early church should encourage us to never give up praying. And this is the corporate gathering as well. The disciples were continuously devoted to prayer, even when they did not get the answers they wanted. Even when they did not get the answers they wanted. Or what would look like that would be a righteous and just response, God. In Acts 12, James, the brother of John, is put to death with the sword. That would be a beheading. Herod takes him at the festival time. And when he saw the Jews approved of James's death, what did he do next? He had Peter arrested. He's like, this is good. I'm on a roll. Peter goes into jail. Look, the disciples would have been praying for James, for sure. And Peter would have been with them. And they were praying for sure. That James would be saved and not be killed. God allowed James to be beheaded by Herod. The disciples could have given up. They could have assumed that prayer was a waste of time. But if they had, then Peter might not have been saved. And we know that story, right? We know how an angel comes to him, he's in chains and looses his chains and Peter just walks straight out of that prison and knocks on the door where they're praying and they don't even kind of register that it's him. And he's delivered out of King Herod's hands. New life, the Holy Spirit is upgrading us in the area of prayer. He's giving the invitation. He's shining a light. First of all, in the home. On relationships, husband and wife, families, and then the gathering together in the prayer room. There's much more that He wants to give us. There's greater grace for prayer as He prepares us to stand firm in the days ahead. I don't see, because I don't think we're going to be any different to that early church that was under persecution. That's going to happen. You see, Jesus is going to have a bride. And because of circumstances, we're going to be devoted to these things because nothing else will satisfy and nothing else will bring us comfort. And we need to know, we need to know that when we pray, he answers, don't we? We need to know that. And if you've, been sold the lie that he doesn't listen to your prayer that is simply a lie to stop you from learning otherwise. Husbands and wives. Husbands and wives. Do you know what? I think the husband and wife relationship is probably the most contested in terms of husbands and wives building a sanctuary in their home. Through prayer. And if you're on that journey. And, and you've, you've been trying to establish that. Husbands and wives. Don't give up. If you've had a go. And you feel like everything gets in the way. Don't give up. Men. The lie the enemy wants to tell you is that you're inadequate. That your wife, if she's a spiritual woman, (laughs) she prays better than you. She knows more scripture than you. You're just inadequate. I can't do this. That's a lie. You have been given. And the reason that lie comes to you is because what you've been given in the spirit. You have been given authority to head your home. But you do it by serving. You do it by loving. And the most loving thing you can do is join with your wife. You see, because that's a covenant union and the enemy wants to destroy every covenant union that involves Christ and his people. I tell you, if you can break through, husbands and wives, you can set that time. I'm talking every day. If that feels like climbing Mount Everest Once a week, okay? Start somewhere. And if that feels like climbing Mount Everest, just do something. Get climbing. Right? Do not, do not put to one side your weaponry over your marriage and over your household. Your children need you to be a praying partnership. And then... Families, pray together. Yes, the enemy will contend. Yes, we've been through this. And by the way, we've been through the whole praying together as husband and wife wrestle as well. We know how much that is contended against. We know that. But we just kept getting up and going again. And praise God, we've broken through that. We've broken through it. You know, my mum and dad sit together after breakfast. They're both in their 90s. <laughs> this has been their practice for decades. They get out the daily bread. You know, our daily bread? You know that one? Yeah, it's a little devotional book or whatever it is. And they read that and they pray. And they never go. <laughs> I've watched it. They never go into the day without doing that. Families yep we've wrestled I can't even remember I think I've blocked out the trauma <laughs> I've trying to do family devotions but I have two sons here I'm quite sure who remember the various different things that we, we tried to do and we just persisted you know sometimes you just have to be more persevering than your kids <laughs> and hope that they don't live to regret it but you see you keep going I remember as a kid and, and my parents, we would have devotions around the family table growing up. And I just remember zoning out. Just like, It's like, I have not a clue what we did this morning. Because I'd be thinking about this. It doesn't matter. I was in it. I was in it. It doesn't, doesn't even matter that I wasn't a willing participant. I mean, I'm talking about in primary school. Oh, actually, no, I was at boarding school. It must have been early, early high school when we were doing that regularly. But we did it, and it was important, and we sat down, and we ate a meal together, and we did it. Some of you kids I know, you're going to hate me today. Right, families and New Life Church. Wow, Wayne and I have talked to you about the Moravian prayer. We've talked to you about our desire to see prayer, the prayer room going 24-7. You know the Moravian community? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Because oh, I don't have time to explain it. You look it up. A community, a fractured, actually, disintegrated, <laughs> fractured Christian relationships, fleeing from persecution, whatever. They ended up in Count Zinzendorf's estate. And he basically said, you guys need to start praying together. And they, you know what they did? They covenanted. They committed to pray in pairs around the clock. That prayer meeting went on for over 100 years, right? 300. Was it 300? Anyway, many, many days and nights, okay? Many days and nights. And they sent out. The most missionaries that had ever been sent out, I think, in that in that particular time, wow, Moravian. You know what? We have more members here than they had in the Moravian community when they started. Hmm. What if we all said, "Hey, I'll lead a one-hour prayer meeting." Yeah, and we all took our watch, just like nurses and doctors do, and all these people who do night shift, and you know some are day and some are night. And we said, "I'm turning up with me and this other person. We've committed to this one hour. We would be, we'd be like, sorry, there aren't enough hours in the week. You'll have to come back. You'll have to. You know what? You have to make that prayer meeting for people. You're getting a vision for this." Because Jesus is worthy. And because you see, when we build an ark, right, it becomes a sanctuary. And it becomes a place of shelter when the flood comes. And I'm telling you, our little prayer room already has been a place of shelter when the floods have come. This church would not be here if God had not so kindly and graciously led us into the place of corporate prayer. Now, I want to speak something. They say you're single. Yep, I'm, I'm not married, don't have a family. Phew, I'm off the hook. No, you're not. <laughs> no. And I know some of you young adults, I know you're doing this actually. You're saying, hey, come with me to the prayer room. We're going to commit to be there at such and such a time in the week. How many of you doing? Don't Hand your hands up. It's okay. I know you're doing it. I've seen you. Right? Commit. Grab someone else. And you know what the blessing of corporate prayer is? You know, the Bible says that God sets the lonely in families. And that means God can bring people in all sorts of situations, in all sorts of stages of my life is broken. Because, you see, I didn't meet Jesus till I was older or whatever the reason is, you know. And then, you know, we've got like, you know, single parents and all. You know, it's hard, That's a hard gig. That is hard. Praise God for the prayer room. So don't stop coming to the prayer room because there are people who need that space. And we create it. We share. We love each other by creating that space. And God is in the midst of us in that space. And he always has been. He loves those special places. The tabernacle of God. I could go on and on. Let me not. God is upgrading us and transforming us. You see, prayerlessness expresses a lack of dependence on God. Paul's life models for us continual prayer. His letters address the need for prayer. And his letters always talk about how much he prays for the believers. And his letters are full of his prayers for the believers. He was a man who understood where the fight was. And you see, the early church devoted themselves also to the gathering daily, fervently, to fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. New life, let us return to wholehearted love for Jesus Christ with humility and a broken and contrite spirit. Wow, what he offers us. And what we're going to discover we need. He's so patient, he's so kind. Are you living independent of God? Just some areas. Who are you submitted to? Jeremiah 2, are you digging your own wells? Have you forsaken the spring, the fountain of everlasting water? Praise God for his faithfulness, yeah? Praise him for his faithfulness. That he does not leave us where we are. He's so confident of the spirit, the Holy Spirit, his spirit that dwells in us. He's so confident. You said yes to him. He's 100% confident. He's faithful. He will do it. Whatever the enemy is throwing at you right now. Home, life, business, health, relationships. God has given us countermeasures. He's given us countermeasures. The question is, will you pick up by faith those countermeasures? Will you make a plan in the orange Will you execute it in the red So that in the time of trouble You don't end up in the black So those are three areas Those are three areas of commitment That Wayne Wayne and I put in out to you Husbands and wives Husbands and wives Are you praying together Are you doing it every day? Do you even see the need for it if you don't ask the Lord to help you and to lead your heart into repentance? Prayer is speaking to Jesus. Families, don't give up. Even if you just get it once a week to begin with, don't give up. New life. It's been awesome to see actually attendance, you know, people coming into the prayer room more. I just feel like God is already stirring that. And this morning, He's stirring us in worship. He's stirring us in prayer. It's like there's the shout of the King among us, right? And He's going, Come on, I want you to come closer. I want you to come closer. There's more. This is an invitation. There's more who's going to suit up, who's going to be battle-ready. First Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24, if the worship team can come. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Would you say that with me? Stand up. Let's speak this blessing over ourselves this morning. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it.